Here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Hello everybody, welcome back to Press X to Reload, the journey to find the best video game to film adaptations in existence. I am Nick Moore, with me as always are Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Wayne? Uh, good day everyone. And Mark. Hope everyone's doing good. And we are here for the last of our five video game tangential related quasi games to adaptations. They're not directly mm -hmm. related, but they are absolutely video game-ish. And this last one is the Angry Video Game Nerd The Movie. So a quick recap for anyone who's not aware, the Angry Video Game Nerd is a YouTuber who has a parody series of reviewing terrible games and he gets super angry when he plays them. This is his full-length feature film, his passion project as it were, to review E.T., which everyone declares to be the worst game of all time. And he had numerous, numerous requests to review it, but it was apparently too epic to be an episode, so he made a full-fledged film out of it. We'll start with Wayne. How do you feel about the film? I know this is your first time watching it. Actually, it is. I'm kind of surprised at that because, I mean, I follow a lot of James Rolfe stuff, not even just his AVGN, just a shameless pun, but my favorite thing he's ever, uh, shameless plug, sorry. My favorite thing he's ever done is The Dragon of My Dreams. I don't know if you've ever seen his video on that. No. Very nostalgic. Hits right in the right in the heart there. I love sure. It. But anyway, uh, I follow AVGN a lot. It took me forever to see this film. I don't know why. First, you have to really... <laughs> you have to know what you're getting into for this one, right? This is not like some major studio published movie here. This is a YouTube person that, like you said, this is his own money, <laughs> putting it together a passion project. And for, for what it is, he did extremely well, I thought. Uh, it's funny. It's cheesy. It's cringy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's got everything I expected from it. It is literally a two-hour episode yes. of one of his YouTube shows. So as long as you like any of his shows, you should probably like this. And I did. Fair. Mark, you just watched it today, my understanding. Like, you just came hot off of this thing. Yeah. How are your impressions of it? Um, <laughs> Mixed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I... I'm not that big of a fan of his other work. I mainly just know him through AVGN. And, um, like, I agree with a lot of what Wayne said. I think it's it's a two-hour episode. I'm not sure I would ever willingly sit down to watch two hours of him straight. I, I like to take him in doses. <laughs> Interesting you said that, but I'll touch on that later. So, so I was a, a barrel of emotions. There was a period where I was like, I know Nick suggested this movie and I was like, I don't think Nick likes us anymore. <laughs> like, there was a period in the movie where I was like, I think Nick is trying to punish us for some reason. Um, but then I got to settle in actually. And um, yeah, like I realized that like everything I was watching is as intended. And there's a certain brilliance in that and it's cheesy over the top, cringy, all of that stuff is all intentional. Yes. And so there's just, there's a little bit of brilliance in that, in that he almost knows himself. I can't make a two hour movie about me doing 
video game reviews, but I'm going to do it anyway. And this is a, uh, I, I got a lot of respect for, for it, but yeah, I, there, there are moments that I enjoy it and moments I did not. So. I feel like this might be your double dragon. <laughs> no, Double, double dragon, dragon is my double dragon. dragon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I really like this movie. It has problems, and we'll get into that. But sure, you can tell it's a film he really wanted to make, and you can see the amount mm-hmm. of care that he's put into it. Mm-hmm. So the biggest problem that I that I have, and it's, it's a strength if you're a big fan of his, and it's a difficulty if you like Mark, or not huge on him, this has the, the same fault or issue as, say, Serenity does to Firefly or the X-Files movie. If you're not a fan going in, there's a number of callbacks and a number of subversions mm-hmm. of his existing jokes that aren't funny if you're not used to the existing joke. If you're not used right. to how he gets all worked up and angry about video games, the idea of a plot where the corporate overlords have decided, hey, this guy has a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of fans that watch him, and all of the fans seem to go out and play the games that he warns them not to. If we intentionally make a bad game, he'll review it, and we'll just rake in the money. You have to have sat with him for a 100 episodes to go, yeah, I have actually played games that he warned me not to, and to kind of buy into that idea. It suffers from that same idea of he's already a completely fleshed out thing when he starts in this film, and you haven't kind of gotten to that point with him. So a lot of the subversions and jokes and payoffs don't really work for any sort of a newcomer. I would never recommend this to someone who's not already an existing fan. It would be a complete waste of their time. 100% agree. Yeah, I agree too. But one of the things I really like about it Yeah, he spent his own money getting this thing together, and we can sit here and say it's cheesy looking, but I don't think it's a matter of him having to pull his own money together, because I looked at the the budget for it, and apparently it was like 325000 US dollars. Like, that's a decent amount of money. For sure. I really do feel like he is intentionally trying to have the same kind of cheesy, green screeny and practical effects that he has from his show. Because when you watch his other stuff, he's a big fan of like 70s and 60s and old school horror and B sci-fi movies from the 50s. He loves this stuff. He loves the idea of, you know, people in rubber suits pretending to be aliens and all that (laughs) kind of jazz. So, of course, the movie... going down cliffs. Oh, God. The oh, fact that God, you have a car God. chase and okay. cars going well, yeah. down the cliff in the desert, and it is clearly intentionally little miniaturized <laughs> cars, yeah. Yeah. not even trying to hide it. I love it. It's amazing. No, I love it. I really like yeah. that. It has a a charm to it that I think he would have lost if he tried to make it look, quote unquote, slick, professional, whatever you want to use for the term. If he tried to detach it from his existing show in terms of his aesthetic, I think it would have hurt it. And it's funny, when you look at reviews for it, there's not really a lot on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got three reviews, because it's not a film that had, like, a theatrical run of that kind of stuff. But it has a couple hundred reviews on IMDb, and it sits at 5.9 out of 10. All right, that makes sense. But on Steam, it has over 500 reviews, and it's at a 9 out of 10. It tells you exactly who he's really aiming this thing towards. Anyone who's a huge fan of his watches this with just love in their eyes. Uh, but it's yep, funny, yeah. we start this thing up, and like I mentioned, it is about E.T., which, have you guys played that game for the Atari? Oh, yeah, and back in the no. day, back in the day. So no. I did. It was at a friend's I house, and we did, were like, actually. what? we had no idea what was going on in it. I played this no. thing as a kid. My grandmother had an Atari 
in her house, you know, with all the grandkids coming in and out. And it was one of the few games she had. She had that, Frostbite, Jungle Hunt, and I don't know why she didn't set E.T. on fire and just survive off of Frostbite and Jungle Hunt. Because it is a really bad game. But what's great is I'm watching this thing with Corinne, who mm-hmm. kind of regrets watching it, so she's on your side there, Mark. Mm. She <laughs> sees what the Christina. plot's going to be and goes, but I liked E.T. She enjoyed that game, showing how sheltered she is in terms of the number of games she got to play. If you liked that, it's because you never played <sighs> any good games, as far as I'm concerned. I think she's misremembered. I feel like she's misremembering <laughs> that. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Me too. Unless, unless her other game was Big Rigs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, you have this opening setup of who was it? Cockburn Inc. for the studio that's like yeah. we're gonna make yes. ET two, yes. saying that if we make ET an intentionally two, bad game, make it worse. we're gonna make it. E- the tagline <laughs> on the poster says even worse than before, which is ridiculous. Yes, I and love I it. like how I love it. I'm assuming it's a combination of I don't want to be sued and it's a parody. The fact that E.T. is spelled mm. as like E-E-T-T-E-E. E.T. E.T. Yeah. looks identical to E.T. from the Atari 2600 on the boxer for E.T. Except he's put a digitized mustache over his nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's little touches like yeah. that that I really, yeah. really liked. And I like at the beginning when they're essentially trying to get anyone who's not a fan to have some idea who he is, all of these fan videos that are submitted, like telling them, hey, we love you and we love your mm-hmm. stuff, you can tell those are legitimate fans sending stuff into them. Yeah. Yeah. Which, Which I thought was really cool. Really cool. I like that part. Yeah. And you have everything from normal schlubs like us who are like, hey, you're amazing. We love your stuff. You're really funny. To legitimate YouTube kind of personalities like the game grumps. I think I saw on there. You see the nostalgia critic, all these people on there are going, yeah, you're hilarious. I did like the one guy says you helped me to learn English. I want to know yes. <laughs> what this guy's day to day life is like that. He learned English from the angry video game nerd. <laughs> How many curse words does this guy pump out in a typical day? Probably quite a bit now. Ballpark, right? 60, as normal conversation. As right. Like, yeah. yeah. How many times does he tell yeah, about, taking a diarrhea dump on something if you learned from the video game nerd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Very wild. See, I want to know, I want to know how he like translated it. Cause he'd be like diarrhea dump. Like if you don't know that <laughs> word in English, you have to go look that up. That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> but that's how he learned. And his English was very good in the oh, video. So clearly the video fantastic. game nerd does work as a way to, yes, to learn English, which is pretty cool. So I got a yeah, kick out of that. Rosetta Stone you can find. Out of curiosity, <laughs> and I'm going to have to look this up at some point, I want to know how many curse words were used in this film, specifically, you know, the F word, because I think it might rival Scarface. <laughs> it is entirely yeah, it's possible. Pretty, it's up there. It's up there. It's yeah, pretty it's up, up there. there. For a film that has virtually yeah. no other rated R content, so to speak, there's some comical looking blood, especially with the general later. There's no sex to speak yes. of. But the sheer amount yeah. of language. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, what's really interesting is at the beginning when they're explaining, like you said, who the AVGN is, especially for those that don't really get him. You know, they focus on how, like, even though he reviews games that are bad and trying to warn everybody, all it does is increase their popularity and the sales of these games. And it's actually not a joke. It really happens as a collector of retro games. It does. It happens. It's so funny to watch. Like, I'll see a, especially back when he first started, you see a crappy game like, let's say, Fester's Quest on the NES. 
you can find it anywhere in a bin for two, three dollars. He makes a video, immediately it's forty bucks. It's fifty yeah. bucks, slowly climbing. And it's a terrible <laughs> game. It's just everybody has to have what he's talking about. It's it's amazing how one person yeah. can increase the value of something just because he's talking about it. That's even though it's clearly bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's crazy. I want to know how much he's like helped he the stock on of Rolling Rock. That's what I thought was so funny. <laughs> yeah, that too. See, I'm wondering if I, I'm wondering if Rolling Rock absolutely paid for some advertising in this because they are all over it. They must have. And, they and you, yeah, must. You have. don't get to do that in movies unless they are signed yeah. up, or else you're going to get. Well, sued. he does it through all his YouTube videos, right? Yeah, so, I don't he's know. totally sponsored by them. I'll unashamedly admit, when you open up my fridge, I like a pale ale. I drink Rolling Rock. I only found it because of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And as far as I know, I never saw it anywhere in stores here until a few years after he was doing videos. I think he pushed it into Canada inadvertently. <laughs> I think so, too. Which is pretty <laughs> wild. Yeah, it's not one. Because hey, I yeah. think it's like you a Boston right. brew of some right. kind, right? So, I mean, good yeah, on them. <laughs> but what I find yeah. really strange about this movie, because you watch his typical videos and it's he finds a game that everyone says is terrible, he reviews it, he'll have some comedy parody elements thrown in that are live action, like when he's reviewing, you know, Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle, an actual Bugs Bunny in real life is like taunting him in a full cosplay suit, mm-hmm. and then he, you know, takes a dump on his face. Stretching that to two hours is going to be a challenge, so instead the idea For of sure. having him... And, and it was. Well, <laughs> and I and applaud the... <laughs> The idea of what he was going for, and I know it's a tough one to do, but he goes the route of existential yeah. crisis. It's almost like Nightmare Before Christmas where Jack is bored of you know doing these perfect Halloweens and everyone applauds him because, yeah, but I, I don't care anymore. To have the angry video game yeah. nerd go through a similar existential crisis of everyone's just taking all my bad reviews and playing the games. I'm hurting the fans more than I'm helping them. It's an interesting idea. Yeah. And to have him by the end of it come to the revelation of, I don't need to protect them. If they want to go out and experience it, that's okay. They just want to see me for me. Okay, fine. But the beginning of the film Mm. setting that up is probably its weakest aspect. The first 30, 35 minutes of this two-hour film. And we've watched a lot of stuff that only manages to stay on screen for an hour and a half. This film probably could have chopped (laughs) 20 minutes. And most of it probably Mm -hmm. could have been chopped from the beginning. In my opinion. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Probably cut. Uh, they could have definitely cut. I have a different feel on it in that I actually like, um, I was, I was, he, I was with him. I was with him in that opening arc. I, it was a little slower, but I was, I'm, I'm still with him. And for me, <laughs> it's, I don't know. Is it the midway point? I don't know. It's when they start wanting to storm area 51. That's where it started to jump the shark for me a little bit. <laughs> That's and where I got into it. It just kept getting increasingly, uh, increasingly crazy. And that's actually where it lost me. Um, so it's interesting. So I, I kind of almost have the reverse. So I was like, okay, this is close to him. He's snarky. He's making, you know, people are asking his opinion and he's like, he's, he's flying off the handle. Cause he's like, what? This is the biggest piece of dog crap. I'd rather suck through a straw. Right. Like stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, there he is. And then they jumped the shark and I, it, I was just like, what is happening? Good Lord, make it stop. <laughs> Wayne, you can be the deciding vote here. Is it better in the beginning when it's what you're used to with him and him having this existential crisis? Or is it better when he accidentally stumbles across a military facility in regards to the <laughs> ET games that are buried in the desert and how they're apparently part of an alien spaceship? And it goes, 
Off the rails, I agree, but no less off the rails than any of his videos where he starts reviewing a game and by the end of it, he's taking a dump in the mouth of Bugs Bunny. Is it better when it's semi-reasonable or when it goes completely nuts? I'm fine with both ways, honestly. <laughs> so I'm not going to solve either here. I, I agree that the a lot of the beginning could have been cut out. But like Mark mm-hmm. said, I was still with him through it. It's not till the end of the movie that I'm like looking back and saying, oh, okay, that first half hour probably could be cut. But I didn't know that until I had seen the whole movie. Okay, right? sure, so. sure. Now, the one thing that I did appreciate about that opening and not just the setup of his existential crisis and, you know, I should I be reviewing these games for people or not reviewing them if it's just going to cause them to play them and suffer like me. The dream sequence that he has when you have dream <laughs> after dream where you have like yeah. fans who are coming after him like zombies and it's this carnival that is all set up to be angry video mm-hmm. game nerd merchandise promoting them. It was filmed really well from a horror aesthetic. The lighting, the camera work. Yeah. And I know he really does love horror and you look at Cinemassacre and his website that he has and he makes these short films that are really good. The best filmmaking that he has in this movie is that dream sequence, in my opinion, in terms of the craft of it. Uh, That concept, that concept of being in a funhouse with zombies like coming through after you and you can see them all because it's all just it's a glass maze. Yes. So the idea of like seeing the zombies through a glass maze is an awesome idea because it's I thought terrifying it was too. and, and I, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And I was like, that's brilliant. Same thing. And someone needs to make a horror movie that does that. Cause that's brilliant. Yeah. I said the same thing to Christina when that scene was happening. I was like, I don't think this has ever been done before. And it's actually brilliant. Like you said, it's a, it's a really brilliant. cool, creepy concept that you're standing right there and they're on the other side of the glass, but can't get you. Yeah. yeah. The closest I've seen yeah. to it in terms of the carnival horror aspect is killer clowns from outer space, which if you guys have never seen, I will tentatively recommend Classic. it because it's bad, but great bad. Mm-hmm. But there's something <laughs> yeah. about I've that, seen that movie so many times. I love it. Evil mixed with the carnival that <laughs> meshes really well. I'm curious if he ever has plans to do a full feature film as horror. I would legitimately be down for that because I thought, that was a really good yeah. part of of this particular film. And he still had a comedy feel to it, mainly because of his acting. Because if you can't act, overact. Mm-hmm. He seems to have taken that advice. Yeah. He and is that's even the same for his episodes. Up. Oh, but yeah. His episodes yeah. where he does more horror games, like Nightmare on Elm Street, it's, it's actually filmed really well. Like, he, I he uses his house. To make it seem like dream sequences and you're in like a furnace and in the basement where Freddy was burned. I'm like, he actually did a really good job of it. Oh, yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Now, moving the plot forward, he's got his friend that's going to accompany him. I can't remember the name of the dude for the life of me, uh, but his cameraman, so to speak. When he goes to contact his friend in that final fantasy looking mmo and he's firing up his really old school computer i've never seen a video game in my life where you would have that drastic a difference where the video game nerd fires it up and it's like 8-bit graphics on his end and then on his friend's end the camera guy it's a full warcraft looking mmo switching back and forth between theirs love that it was absurd and again those are the parts that had me those are the parts where in the beginning i was like that's a nice touch. That's actually really funny that he's using like an old, the oldest school rig that could never, ever run an online game. But he's, he's to talk to his friend on an online game and the graphics are different. I was like, ah, oh, I'm with him. I'm with him through this. 
the fact that it descales <laughs> not just in graphics but descales in style to accommodate the nerd is a really nice yes. weird touch in this particular story it's very very yeah. odd but i got a kick out of that i thought that was those little things that he does in terms of comedy are really inspired moments and he's touched on his super old computer in previous episodes so as soon as i saw that and the joke he made with it killed me made me laugh really hard but those little things i thought were yeah. were pretty cool stuff right now, i have a question sure i have a question when you first see the guy who's filming they're going it's a shot of like they're just cutting back and forth and it clearly looks like they were it was either shot later i don't know because that guy is clearly standing on blue screen so much blue screen this background it's so much blue screen, and I'm just like, why is this a blue screen? I had no idea. I, I couldn't figure that out either, and I was saying that to Corinne. Screen. I was saying to Corinne, is that green screen? And then it would turn back to the nerd, and it's not. Like, well, it's not on his yeah. side, but on the other guy's side it is. <laughs> but it's just a blue screen <laughs> yeah. of a house in a white picket fence area. I don't understand <laughs> why they couldn't just go back no to idea. it and film it later. Even if it was, oh, I didn't hire this <laughs> no. guy until later no. on in the film. And he's throughout the whole movie. That guy's with him for yes. 80% of that film. So it's not like he's a last minute addition. Why is it blue screen there? It's really weird. Yeah. Yes. But I enjoyed it because I was like, oh, this feels like a gag. And I, I, Maybe. I enjoyed it. I was like, it's a subtle yeah. gag. They're not telling you it's a gag, but it felt like a gag because there's no reason to put blue screen there. But there, if it <laughs> is, he's standing it's brilliant. He's 100% standing against blue screen. It's brilliant. Well, it's not, I'm giving him credit for being brilliant. Really, really weird stuff on that. So you have them convince the nerd to go and dig up all the E.T. games that were buried in the desert because you've got this, for years, this standing rumor that E.T. was so bad that Atari drove out to the desert and dumped the games into a landfill and covered them up. Now, of course, we all know in real life that turned out to be real. There actually was a cache of those games buried mm -hmm. in the desert. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for James Rolfe and the video game nerd, we found out it was real while he was in the middle of making this movie. <laughs> yeah. So the mystique oh, about really? what's under, like, what's there and is it real or not? In real life, we already knew the answer, but the video game nerd going, look, I'm going to go out there and dig and prove that the game was never buried. It's not that bad, but if it is there, I'll review it because I'll be proven wrong. I'll finally give you guys the review you want. Real life kind of took the wind out of the sails of this movie a little bit, and I felt bad for him because it took several years for him to get the resources to make this, and real life just yeah. snuck past him. But you have him digging there, and the military apparently has a secret operation underneath, and when they listen to him and he says he's looking for E.T., they assume that he's looking for actual aliens, and then the movie, in my opinion, kicks into proper gear. <laughs> uh, and in my opinion... It fully jumps the shark it, it gets so ridiculous <laughs> like i like when he gets ridiculous don't get me wrong it's just it's so ridiculous for so long that i'm like okay come on what it's like two different movies it's like from dust till dawn yes and but not in a good way i disagree i think this one does it well you have a military general that at first they're only showing to... from the top half go ahead wayne go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, I have to agree with Nick. I mean, I've seen his Mario 3 review, which made me laugh. Oh, Jesus. This is Mario <laughs> 3 review on 10,000 speeds and drugs. and. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, sorry. It's go ahead. It okay. goes on for like an hour. The, <laughs> the general who's now chasing him through the second half of the film, you first see him from the top, you know, like from the waist up. And then when he comes into view fully... He's not just in a wheelchair. He, his bottom half is a tank with full treads. 
And they joke about how he's had yeah. so many accidents and he's been injured so many times. And then very shortly into this, he gets one arm taken clean off. I can't remember how, but he gets an arm taken off in this. Uh, it's, a, it's a grenade. It's just a flash That's room. what it was. He, he, goes to, just a flash he drops a grenade. Goes to pick up a grenade and it's blows off one room. arm. And yeah, just a flesh wound, good old Black Knight callback. And then later on gets the other mm-hmm. arm caught in, I think, an elevator and loses that one. So now elevator. he has no arms, yeah. but he doesn't care. He's not phased. He just continues to chase after the nerd. And it's absolutely ridiculous. But at that point, we know reality's out the window. We're in the second half of one of his videos yeah. now where we're just in the deep end. And yeah. I love this particular subversion he has. We've all seen the action chase in a movie, especially in Cars where you've got the hero either being chased or chasing someone through a city street and they're driving through fruit carts and boxes and everything. And he does each one in a row. You have a bunch of boxes that they run through and he calls out to, why are there so many boxes in the middle of the street? And then they drive through a thing of fruit, same thing. (laughs) And then you have the two guys carrying a plate of glass across the road and they stop and reverse out of the way so that the video game nerd can drive by. And, of course, like every movie cliche I've ever seen, they come back out with the glass as the general's people are chasing after them. And you think, this is when they'll smash through the glass. And instead, they smash into the glass, but it doesn't break. Their vehicle explodes. And when they ask why, oh, it's double-pane glass. Oh, my good God. (laughs) And the really ridiculous green-screeny explosion that comes off of it. I loved it. I thought it was great. And I can see why someone might not find it funny. But I mean, yeah. we've made bad films. This is what it looks it's like when you make them. It wasn't, <laughs> it's not that it wasn't funny. It's just that some of the gags were just like, just dragging on like the super angry, somewhat useless right hand lieutenant who's chasing him, who keeps whipping out her Uzi every time she sees them. But let's the, the other, the female nerd basically drive them around Forever. They go from Roswell, New Mexico to Las Vegas. <laughs> She's like, where are you? We're in Vegas. What? Why are you in Vegas? But that like, joke has she's just driving us around. Maybe one oh of the God. best payoffs. The idea that the <laughs> ink woman who is supposed to be with them as part of the promotion getting captured by the military right hand hand woman. And she's leading on this wild goose chase with ice cream shops in Vegas, all these places, like you say, when the military woman goes, you know what, we're just going to tie her up on the top of the fake Eiffel Tower in Vegas and call up the nerd and the cameraman and say, cooperate with us or we'll do bad stuff for you or whatever. Both the cameraman and the nerd go, yeah, we're not coming. It's a trap. We're, we're not showing up. <laughs> yeah. I love the, don't you like her? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That is a fantastic subversion to every cliche I've seen in action films where, no, we have to stick together. Like, you're not part of our crew. You're the corporate overlord woman. We don't care about you. That was fantastic. (laughs) It's just, it took 30 minutes to do that. (laughs) I was just like, oh, God. Oh, God. That particular joke drags on before it gets to it. I will agree. But the payoff made it worth it. And most of the stuff that happens in this, the payoff makes me forgive any sort of buildup to it. It should have been an hour and a half film and it was two hours. I get that. He probably should have tightened it up a little bit, yeah. but it was still great. And I think at least, at the very least, give me this. Do we not all agree that that alien design for the alien in Area 51 is the greatest alien ever conceived? 
Oh my god. Um, Is he not amazing? It's amazing. I, it's it's not even the design that gets me. It's actually the animation of it or lack thereof. Scenes where it's just like flopping around because it's just a solid rubber thing. <laughs> it's clearly I, just someone shaking that from off camera. <laughs> made me laugh. Yes. Those scenes genuinely made me laugh. I was like, look at that thing. It's just a solid rubber thing. And he's just shaking it to be like, ah, <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. Like that uh, is fantastic to me. That is going, all right, we only have yes. so much money to work with. And I love these old cheesy films anyway. Don't even make the alien move. Just have his mouth open. And when you yeah. shake it, his mouth will move up and down. Shake it. it That's good enough yes. for me. <laughs> And that is hilarious. Yeah. Puppeteering at its best. Yes, that was that was getting me every time. Because I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. Some of the other things I was like, oh, dear God. But that was pretty funny. And it happens twice. And of all the special effects, it's a practical one, but he does it really well. His cameraman falling from heights that should kill him. I don't know what dummy they have. <laughs> but the dummy they have yeah. is more realistic than that alien that they have. Absolutely that's outstanding dummy just great stuff i got a kick out of that yeah yeah that was well done you have the general drive off the side of a cliff coming after him and i love how you've got the tank and the general at the top of it very much like indiana jones and the last crusade i feel like he's really calling back to that because in indiana jones and the last crusade when the evil german general goes off the side of the cliff they have a fake version of it like the little miniature going off the side but it's filmed from far back enough away that you gotta pay attention to know that it's a little tiny miniature person this one he zooms it in enough that you can see it's like a gi joe inside it <laughs> <laughs> it made uh, me laugh so hard every every single car crash was a was a was a deep joy because it's oh. clearly like a hot wheels car going over the side and it's like that's great so one quick question. Does the ending make sense to anyone here in terms of that weird being that shows up and how they beat them? Because none of it made any sense to me. No. I'd love to hear your thoughts. That doesn't make sense to me, but and maybe we're not there yet. But the, the credit scroll is my favorite part of the movie. But oh, sure. The ending made no sense. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've i seen it twice now, and I still don't quite understand the explanation other than, I guess, the alien is God, the alien that he saves from Area 51, created us as a side project and the bigger alien or monster or whatever it is in Mount Fuji is God's father. And he's angry that he got woken up from Mount Fuji. So he's going to destroy us all. And there'll just be a sandwich left over, but they shoot a laser up into the <laughs> sky that does some stuff. And then that alien just leaves. None of that makes any sense yeah. to me, but it's all very exciting yeah. and cheesy when it happens. Good old bologna yeah. sandwich. How big will it be? You can't measure scale because there's there'll be nothing. How do you have scale? <laughs> nothing to measure. It you to. don't know. There's nothing to measure it to, so you don't know. Oh, it's so so ridiculous. <laughs> and then, as you say, the end of it is an actual review during the credits of ET in front of a full crowd. Yeah. He does the ET review. Yeah. And it's as yeah, good as any review it. he's done for any episode. He dives into it, points at all the things that make no sense about that game, and at least openly admits, is it the worst game ever made? No. No. But it's the most famously mm. bad game. And I do like that he at least Correct. kind of puts it in context, because I feel like the game's been overblown mm. for how bad it is. It is crap. For sure. But there are worse games. It is crap. <laughs> there yeah. are yeah. worse games. 
Is there anything that we've missed over the course of this that either of you want to point out? Uh, my final thoughts on this are, look, I, I did enjoy it. Like Mark, I don't think I could watch it again, though. And, and although I'm a fan of AVGN, I do find um, his videos have been suffering as of late. And I think this movie shows why. The AVGN, to me, he's at his best less than 10 minutes. When he's less than 10 minutes long, he puts out quality jokes, gets right to the point, And I find as his episodes have been going on, leading even into this movie and including the movie and past the movie, the episodes are getting ridiculously long. We're getting a lot of mm-hmm. this over-the-top crazy stuff going on that really has nothing to even do with the game or what he's talking about. It's more about him filming this stuff than actually reviewing the game. And I think his best stuff was right at the beginning when it was just less than 10 minutes, right to the point, constant back-to-back jokes, focusing on the game. And that's why it's hard for me to watch this again because it feels like one of his... Well, it is his longest episode, but like one of those long episodes that just get drawn yeah. out. Even some of them lately, I find I don't even get all the way through them. Oh, wow. Before I turn them off. They're just, they just don't have the same, I don't know. They have more, better quality, but it's just, I don't know. They feel cheesier now, but I don't know. I still enjoyed the film for a one-time watch. It's just, I think that's probably yeah. the, I don't think I'll ever see it again. <laughs> well, and I feel like um, that's a, that's always the challenge sometimes with, he's, I mean, to to his credit, she's been doing this a long time. Ten years, and it's hard to keep. Yeah, it's like that's a long it. time, and it's it's hard to keep that fresh, right? It's hard to keep that fresh yeah. and funny, and maybe that's a part of what this movie suffers from. For me, is that like, yeah, mm-hmm. I like him. I haven't watched his stuff religiously for a while, but I like him. I like him, and again, sure. I've, I've always liked him in smaller doses. Because again, the 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 shtick is the same. Every now and then he might say something that's oh whoa, he caught me off guard with what he said there, but I kinda know what you're sitting down for. Right. He's gonna get down, you're gonna get ten to fifteen minutes of a genuine review, colored with his awesome mastery of the English language, and then yeah, you're screwed. So right. um, for me, I don't know. I, I, I'm torn. I like it. I like some of it. I don't like some of it. I'm probably the average viewer. <laughs> Fair. And I might be on the opposite end of it because I've liked the fact that he's deviating from the original script that he had because I've watched all of his videos and I do watch them all the way through. And I will agree that it's become a little bit less about a new way to say diarrhea dump and more to have some live action elements and some kind of almost Three Stooges-ish kind of comedy thrown into some of this stuff. I feel like he might also be getting bored with the original kind of script and he's trying to flip it. And we're watching that flip happen in real time. And I find that really fascinating because you're watching him try and find a new voice and find a new thing when you know this is what makes you popular. So you know that to stay relevant, people want to see this, but maybe creatively you want something different out of it. He's trying to find ways to stretch where he can. And I think that's really cool to see that happening. And I get that. In real time, including this film, versus when you watch movies do it where a movie comes out and the next one three years later it has a tonal shift, like say Thor, where Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok is very different from the previous two. We're seeing mm-hmm. almost the in-between of it, which is kind of neat. Yeah, and I fully respect that. I mean, we used to make movies all the time when we were young. I'd kill to be able to be doing what he's doing right now. Oh, yeah. So I would recommend it to fans of him. I would never recommend to someone who doesn't find him funny. And outside of that, it might only be a one-time watch. I've seen it twice. I could watch it a third time, but it's not something I'd watch over and over. But every couple of years, I could sit down and watch it and get a kick out of it. It's a -a once-in-a-while movie. But we will call it there. Uh, When we come back after a very brief break, 
we will go back to normal video game films. I don't know which one it's going to be. We haven't really had that discussion. Anyone have a quick suggestion? No, not yet. I got to think about that. We'll flip a coin. Well, maybe several coins. Enjoy. <laughs> but we thank you for listening to Press X to Reload. I have been Nick Moore. With me were Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Gentlemen, thanks for having us. It's been fun. And we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athanas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review, we'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.